Thank you for listening today. Dr. Lori Hess is a leading exotic animal veterinarian with a busy veterinary practice in Bedford Hills, New York. If you need more information on any Zupreme product or have questions for Dr. Lori, go to our website at www.zupreme.com where you can contact us. Make sure to follow us on Facebook for more information on upcoming podcasts, education, and Facebook fun. Welcome to the Zoo Nation podcast channel brought to you by Zupreme. Zupreme makes healthy food for pet birds, rabbits, guinea pigs, and ferrets. If you're listening today, your home has probably experienced the love and happiness of owning a non-traditional or exotic pet. We know it's a zoo in your home sometimes. Here's Dr. Lori now to help you learn more about the care of that special pet in your home. Hi, I'm Dr. Lori Hess, Director of Pet Health and Nutrition at Zupreme, and you're listening to podcast number five. Today, we're going to talk about a very, very important topic and one of my favorites, which is why pet birds need to go to the veterinarian. Now, unfortunately, most pet birds don't ever see a veterinarian. Unfortunately, we're not really ingrained to think that a pet bird, like a pet dog or cat should go for regular checkups. And unfortunately, too many birds never see a vet until they're really, really sick. Given the fact that birds are prey species, they're really good at hiding their signs of illness until they just can't anymore. And then they're so sick that their owners actually start to notice that they're ill. And that's when they're taken to the vet. Unfortunately, at that point, they're often so far along in illness that it's difficult for a veterinarian to treat them effectively. So it's just really, really important to get into the mindset that if you have a pet bird, you should be seeking regular preventative medical care for your pet bird, which means an annual checkup, at least an annual checkup, just as you would for yourself or your cat or your dog or any pet that you have. Now, unfortunately, one of the things that prevents people from taking their pet birds to the veterinarian is that many, many birds never, ever come out of the home. There are birds that, you know, some of the larger species who live 40, 50 years who never, ever leave their home, and owners are really reluctant to take them out of their homes because they worry that the bird is going to become very, very stressed, particularly if they're old or they're frail, um, or they're small, they worry that they're going to get chilled or that something will happen to them. I can assure you that taking a bird out of your home is a very safe thing to do when done properly. So what does that mean? How do we get a bird into a carrier and safely to the veterinarian? Well, the first thing is to have a safe carrier. There are many, many carriers now made for pet birds. Um, They're commercially available in pet stores or online. And they have perches in them. They have little places for food and water. Um, They lock securely. Uh, They're made of solid materials like heavy, heavy plastic that most birds can't chew through. So you do want to have a carrier like this in your home if you have a pet bird. Certainly, if not, you know, for traveling to the veterinarian, but certainly at least for an emergency basis, if you had to evacuate your home um, in a fire or some sort of natural disaster or something, you really should have some safe carrier that your bird knows and is comfortable with. So I do tell people to get that carrier 
don't hide it away in a closet so that your bird never sees it, but make it part of your furniture. You know, put it out, feed your bird treats in it so that he gets to know that this is an okay place. It's it's not something to be afraid of. Um, it's something that, you know, it's just a regular spot that he spends a little bit of time. You can put some toys in there. And that way, if you had to put him in there in case of emergency or to go to the veterinarian, it's not a shock for him. He's not surprised. He's not stressed. Um, the next thing you can do if he's comfortable in the carrier is to actually just walk around your house with him. You know, walk from room to room, walk out the door, um, walk outside, certainly make sure that the, the carrier is securely locked so that he can't get out. Um, if you have to take a, a car ride or public transportation, you may even work your way up to that. Maybe not actually go all the way to your destination like the veterinarian, but just take a practice ride around the block. I, I know years ago, I had um, a client, a, a pet owner, an older woman who was so, so worried about her pet cockatiel who had lived in her house for um, 25 years. It was a really geriatric cockatiel. Um, it got very stressed anytime she even tried to take it out of the cage in her home. And she lived there the entire time with the bird. Now, she knew that she had to move at one point. So we had to work our way up to this move literally by doing the things I just described, which is getting that carrier out, putting it on the table, having the bird sit in the carrier and eat its favorite treats every day. She happened to live in an apartment building. So she would walk around the, you know, her apartment. Then she'd walk down the hallway in the building. She'd walk down the lobby. Um, and eventually, about a year later, after practicing this, you know, it was the day to move and the bird did great. So if you're concerned about transporting your bird, you know, and you know that you have an upcoming trip to take with him to the vet, um, you know, go ahead and practice weeks in advance and it will make the whole thing a lot less stressful for both you and your bird. And you'll know that it's just not a big deal, you know, when you have to travel. Um, if you live in a cooler climate, and certainly, you know, many of us do, you'll want to take some precautions, things like getting a big blanket or towel that you can wrap around the carrier so that wind doesn't whip through it. If you're taking a car ride, you may want to preheat the car, turn it on in advance and get the car warm before you put the bird inside. Um, I love having seat heat in cars because you can actually warm up that seat and have that carrier on the seat as you drive. And you certainly want to make sure that that carrier is secure securely fastened. I actually like to seatbelt them into the, the seats as you would a person so that the carrier can't flip over or tip um, or, you know, f injure the bird in any way. It is important not to um, take a big cage that is tippable in the car um, or that your bird could be stuck on a perch and then fall off. Uh, so I do recommend getting a safe carrier. For some birds, it's a little teeny cage, but I definitely would not have a lot of perches, a lot of cage furniture, toys and things in when you're traveling that might fall off or swing and hit the bird if you stop short in the car. So just think ahead about that. Um, once your bird is traveling and you're on your way, um, it is not unusual for birds to get car sick. A lot of birds throw up in the car. Don't worry, um, it doesn't necessarily mean anything terrible. People get car sick, so do birds. Um, so I hear that all the time, and usually it's just limited to the motion of the car, and it stops once you get to the veterinarian or wherever you're going. So um, do not be worried if that happens with your bird. 
Now, why do you want to go to the veterinarian in the first place? Well, as we said, you know, birds are really good at hiding signs of illness. And um, unfortunately, they do hide those signs until they're really, really sick. The key to good medical care for birds is preventative medicine. It's exactly what we're supposed to practice on ourselves um, and for our other pets. You know, you go to the doctor hopefully every year, you have a checkup, um, you have blood tests occasionally, uh, sometimes we have to have vaccines, children have vaccines. I know with our dogs and cats, we're required to have certain vaccines, certain tests. Um, the same is true of birds. I mean, we don't have vaccines for most pet birds unless they're traveling somewhere. But having regular preventative medical care um, by a trained avian veterinarian who really knows what to look for in your bird is extremely important. Birds, signs of illness can be very, very subtle initially, and you do want to have a trained eye who's keen on, you know, looking at the bird and noticing really subtle changes. It might be in the posture of the bird. It might be in the way the bird's breathing. Um, in the activity level of the bird. These are certainly things you should look for at home. Um, your bird's appetite, energy level, activity, those are all things you do want to note and that a good veterinarian will ask you about when you go to the vet. But the idea is to get on a regular preventative medical program. So going in once a year, I do recommend blood work on birds. Um, certainly after they're adopted or they're purchased and they come into your home, you should have a thorough checkup by an avian veterinarian with your bird um, to make sure the bird is healthy, not carrying any signs of illness, um, nothing, you know, that's uh, potentially contagious to you. There are a few things that birds can carry um, and birds that have been in stores where they're around a lot of other birds potentially are exposed to some of those illnesses. So you want to make sure that your bird is healthy and, and treat it certainly if, if the bird is having any kind of problems. You want to um, make sure that your bird is on a good plane of nutrition. Um, I am a big fan of pelleted nutrition. It's very important and that's something a good avian veterinarian can go over with you. Um, you can look at the amount you're feeding, the different other foods you're feeding. If you're feeding some produce as a supplement, what are some good uh, vegetables and fruits uh, to feed? And, you know, what are some treats that are safe for your bird? So those are all um, important parts of a checkup, uh, a good physical exam, blood work, a check of the stool. We look for parasites and abnormal bacteria under the microscope, typically at the veterinary office when we're checking a bird, um, talking about behavioral issues. These are all things that we can talk about with our avian veterinarian when we bring our bird in for a checkup. So um, the first thing that your veterinarian should be looking at is just without ever, ever even touching your bird, that veterinarian should look at the bird in the cage and just see how the bird is standing. I mean, a, a very active, uh, healthy bird should be very alert, bright-eyed, really kind of on guard at the veterinarian since this is a strange place. If, if a bird is fluffed up, its eyes are closed, uh, it's not moving, those are definitely signs of illness. And, and a good veterinarian should notice that even before he or she lays hands on your bird. Um, then after that, you know, your bird um, will be taken out of the cage. And, and that's something that you want to pay attention to in terms of how the people who are examining your bird uh, pay attention to your bird in the cage, but also as they take it out of the cage. So 
Birds are, you know, somewhat fragile. They flap and they can injure themselves. They also get stressed easily. So you want to have a team of people, which typically involves a veterinary nurse or a veterinary technician and a doctor, a veterinarian, who are comfortable handling birds. They will gently take your bird out of its cage, gently, typically wrap it in a towel so it can't flap around, but hold it really gently, never compressing its chest because birds need to be able to move their chest in and out to breathe. Their lungs are fixed uh, inside their chest. They're not like, they don't expand and contract like our lungs do, like a bellows. So they do need to move the muscles of their chest to breathe. And that's something a good veterinarian should know, never to put pressure on a bird's chest so that they have problems breathing. So you want to note on how they, uh, the, the people at the veterinary hospital handle your bird. Are they gentle? They may ask you if you're comfortable taking the bird out of the carrier and then gently handling it, uh, handing it to them. Um, you know, it, it varies depending upon the temperament of your bird um, and on the comfort level of the veterinary staff you're working with. But in any case, they should be gentle. So after the bird is out of the carrier, they should do a thorough physical examination, just as they would on a dog or a cat, for example, typically starting at the head, noting the um, eyes, are the eyes bright and clear, nostrils, looking in the mouth, typically will look at, um, you know, the color just the same way the doctor, when he or she is doing a checkup on you, might note that you're, you know, open your mouth and your color is good, you're nice and pink and you're healthy. Um, we typically look at, uh, we lift up the eyelids and actually look under the eyelid to make sure that the, the uh, membranes there are pink. That indicates a bird isn't anemic or pale in any way. Um, if the skin over the eyelid goes right down when it's gently lifted, it means that the bird is hydrated. If it sticks up in the air and is kind of stuck up there for a second, that typically means a bird is dehydrated. So a good avian veterinarian will typically check that. Once they've checked the head, they also will look at the ears. They're, believe it or not, birds do have ears. Um, they're little teeny holes, usually he uh, hidden underneath the feathers on either side of the head. So they'll look at that. They'll typically feel the crop, so they're moving down the bird's body now, um, feeling the crop, which is the little outpouching of the esophagus in the neck, and it should be typically empty. If the bird has just recently eaten, it might have some food in it. Um, then they'll gently run their hands down the bird's chest, feeling the muscle. Those are the pectoral muscles or the breast muscles. The bone in the middle is called the keel, so they'll comment on the bird's what we call body condition, which is really their weight. You know, um, if it's concave, they there, um, they may be too thin and the muscles may be poorly developed. Um, this is not uncommon for muscles to be slightly underdeveloped in birds who sit in a cage all the time and who don't fly. You know, it's if you don't use your muscles, they tend to atrophy a little bit. Um, on the other hand, there are some birds who are overweight where um, the muscles on the chest may stick out kind of like cleavage. Um, that's when we really will comment that they're a little too heavy and that may be because they're not exercising or they're on a high fat diet like a lot of seeds and nuts, which we know is not healthy. Um, certainly we prefer pellets and those birds, you know, may need to uh, exercise more. We certainly need to work on their diet, but your veterinarian should comment on the body condition of your bird. In fact, most veterinarians assign what's called the body condition score, which may be from zero to five or zero to nine, depending upon what system he or she's using. But it's a, a way to sort of follow the body weight over time and a way for veterinarians to talk to each other um, when they're kind of comparing the body weight of your bird on, in a standardized way. 
Typically then I'll move my hand down below the breastbone there, below the keel, and feel the belly. Um, the abdomen underneath the keel there is just a little indentation and it shouldn't be full, it shouldn't be distended or full of fluid, it shouldn't contain anything hard, any masses there, which could be a swollen organ, um, it could be an egg if it's a female. Um, so your, your bird um, should be kind of a little indented there and your veterinarian can comment on what he or she's feeling there. And, and I will tell you that I do, as I go through this exam, I actually say it out loud. I want uh, the owners to really know what I'm looking for and what I'm feeling so they understand that I am being really thorough. And I think they appreciate that. I, that's definitely something I would look for in a veterinarian. I would want to know what they're doing with my bird, and, you know, and, and this is something that should be really done in front of you. Um, I never liked it when the veterinarian took my bird in that the place called the back. You know, the back is typically the the treatment room in the back of the hospital but I feel like a, a good avian veterinarian should be very comfortable doing all of this right in front of you even taking blood in front of you um, I don't do anything with my patients the bird patients I see that I'm not comfortable doing right in front of their owners I think birds are much more comfortable being in the presence of their owners um, so I certainly do the whole exam uh, taking blood whatever tests I can do right in front of the owner now certainly there are some things like taking x-rays which have to be done in a lead-lined room and that's not something that can be done in front of an owner or surgery you know where there's anesthesia but I do try to put the owners at ease as much as I can to show them that what I'm doing is something that I'm very comfortable with that I don't have to hide and that the bird you know should be in their presence so that their bird knows that they're right there with them and, and won't be as nervous. Anyway, so after I move down through the belly, um, I look at the vent, which is the opening on the lower end of the bird beneath the tail. Uh, it's the opening to the cloaca, which is the chamber that the gastrointestinal, the reproductive, and the urinary tracts all empty into. It's kind of a big vat inside the bird's body. Um, and then the, the urine and the stool come out um, of the vent, that little opening where your bird passes droppings. Um, I will then look, and, and that should be nice and clear. It shouldn't have stool stuck on it. Um, it shouldn't be pasted with urine or, or urates, the white chalky part of the urine. Remember, there are three parts of the, the stool in birds. There's the green-brown part of the stool. That's actually the stool, the feces. And then the white part is the chalky or solid part of the urine. And then there's the clear liquid part of the urine. Um, and birds actually will uh, have all three components typically in most stool. Sometimes if they're eating a particular color of food, sometimes a colored pellet um, or a colored vegetable, their urine or their stool can be slightly different in color, but typically will contain those three components. So once I've looked beyond the vent and see, I see that it's clear, I'll look at the feet. Birds should be able to grasp well with their feet. They should be able to pull away with their legs. Um, they should be able to push down hard with their legs. And um, the, their legs should be symmetrical. So one leg shouldn't feel weaker than the other. Um, I'll test that. I'll then go up and I'll extend their wings one at a time. Um, when you extend a bird's wing out gently, they should want to pull it back in toward their body. And I do one wing, I do the other, and I make sure that they're symmetrically strong. Um, I will then feel over their tail. Most parrot species, other than Amazons, for example, have a preen gland, which is also called a uropygial gland. That's something we'll feel over the base of the tail. Um, it's a heart-shaped gland. It has a little tuft of feathers in the middle of it, so it should be symmetrical. It shouldn't be lumpy or bumpy. It shouldn't be irregular, like more swollen on one side than the other. Um, 
if I feel that it feels abnormal, I'll often then, you know, part the feathers over the back of the bird and look at it. Um, I'll run my hands down the back of the bird, um, just feeling for any kind of irregularities or bumps. Um, I will scan the bird's whole body to make sure that there's no patches of feather loss or um, irregular colored feathers or uh, broken feathers or horribly dry skin. These are things I'll look at all around. And then I will typically, you know, as the bird has calmed down now, I've been holding it now or my, my assistant has been holding it for a few minutes, it's calmed down. I take my stethoscope, which is actually a little infant stethoscope made for baby human infants. Um, it has a very small little uh, bell, that circular part that you put on the chest. And I can hear really, really high heart rates, usually typically up to 300 or so beats per minute with that little infant stethoscope. Now, you can typically tell that if a veterinarian doesn't see a lot of birds, he or she, she may not actually have a specialized stethoscope for birds. Um, you know, they may have a big, big stethoscope that's used in a dog, and you can't really uh, pick up the subtleties in the heart sounds and the heart rhythm with a bigger stethoscope on a little tiny bird. So that's something you want to note. Um, I did forget to mention too, when when the uh, veterinarian is looking at the bird's eyes and mouth, typically we'll use a light, um, typically like a little pen light. It looks like a pen um, with a little teeny light on the end. And that's something I'll use to look inside the bird's mouth, um, in the nose, or in the eyes, anywhere I want to really get a, an up-close view. So I've done my full physical exam. I've watched the bird even before I pick him or her up to make sure that it, the bird is bright and alert, breathing normally. Um, the bird may be at this point after I've been holding it for a few minutes, breathing a little quickly, um, and that's normal. I then will typically put the bird down to take a break to discuss with the owner, you know, we're gonna do a blood test or we're gonna do a stool test or maybe we need to do an x-ray, whatever is needed. And when we do that, the bird's usually taking a break, usually either back in its cage or I have a little perch um, um, I do weigh every bird that I see. It's extremely important that your veterinarian uh, weigh your bird. And we typically weigh birds on a scale that weighs in grams, um, usually typically in one gram increments so that we can pick up little subtle changes in weight. Um, you know, a penny only weighs a couple of grams, but if you're a parakeet, you know, a budgerigar or a budgie and you only weigh 30 grams and you lose three grams, that's 10% of your weight. So that's really significant. So you definitely want to have a veterinarian that has typically a digital or electronic uh, gram scale. So it weighs in one gram increments, not one of those like bouncy scales that you put the bird on, you know, food scales that when they bounce up and down, it can be really inaccurate. So that's something... Um, you want to look for it, your veterinarian. You may even want to have one of those kind of scales at home um, if you have a bird that has a chronic illness or is picky in its eating. Um, so you can monitor its weight at home. That's something I always encourage owners to do. But now that the bird has had its physical exam and it's, it's sitting and resting, most birds, even if they're breathing quickly, come back to normal respiratory rate within about three to five minutes. Um, if a bird is huffing and puffing and open mouth breathing for longer than that, that's something that I'll note that's not normal and maybe there is something going on with its respiratory tract or with its heart or something that's causing it to have such difficulty breathing with the stress of handling. So that's important too. So that's typically how I do a, a physical exam. Um, 
you know, a good avian veterinarian will, will usually follow some kind of pattern, like I've described. We all do it a little differently. Um, it does follow what we call a, a body systems approach, meaning eyes, ears, nose, throat, that we start at the top of the head. Um, we listen to, you know, the we feel the abdomen, we feel the muscles and the skin. There is sort of a systematic approach that veterinarians are taught to do, um, typically on cats and dogs, and we apply the same systematic approach to examining a bird. Obviously, some of the things in a bird are going to be different from a dog or a cat. You know, dogs don't have cloacas, as I described, that, you know, chamber where the stool comes out. Um, but the idea is, again, to be systematic so that the veterinarian doesn't miss anything and that that veterinarian does this sort of same thing over and over again as they examine bird to bird to bird so that they do have a pattern, a system, and they don't miss anything big on the way. If you're kind of just looking at the bird willy-nilly, you're much more apt to miss something really important. So a systematic approach is something I think uh, any avian veterinarian should have, a good avian veterinarian. Um, there are certainly dog and cat veterinarians who are very capable of seeing birds, who don't necessarily specialize in birds. But um, just realize that, you know, uh, there are many, many species out there, dogs, cats, uh, reptiles, rodents, uh, rabbits, ferrets, birds. And it's really hard for a veterinarian to be good at all of those species. If you're looking for someone who really knows birds the best, you will want to find uh, an avian veterinarian, someone with specialized training. There are um, about 125 or so board certified avian veterinarians in the world. Um, I am one of them. I, it's a very, very hard path to follow. Um, it means a lot of examinations and tests and writing, and you actually have to retake the certification test every 10 years to make sure that you're still up on your bird medicine. But um, that's ideal because you know that when you seek out a specialist, a, a board certified avian veterinarian, you are getting someone who really has had a lot of advanced training in bird care. That being said, because there are so few of us, um, there are many, many veterinarians who have advanced training uh, and have sought advanced training in birds who are not necessarily board certified, but who are excellent veterinarians. There is a group called the Association of Avian Veterinarians. It is an international organization that veterinarians um, have to join uh, if they're interested or are encouraged to join if they're interested in advancing their knowledge in bird care. And and this organization, it's worldwide, it has a wonderful website with a lot of continuing education for veterinarians who are interested in birds, including conferences and webinars and uh, a very interactive uh, community where veterinarians can chat with each other online, sharing ideas about cases and asking questions. So if you can't find a board certified avian veterinarian in your area, um, I would definitely encourage you to go to the Association of Avian Veterinarians website, which is A aav.org and there there is a tab at the top there that says find an avian veterinarian you can go into that section on the website um, put your zip code in or your city or your town and find veterinarians who are members of this organization and who have sought out advanced training on their own um, who are near you and and definitely have some education and at least a strong interest in birds so that might be a great resource for you um, another 
another place you might want to look to find an avian veterinarian uh, if you don't have one near you is to go to uh, your local universities. The, a lot of the universities, certainly the ones that have veterinary schools, have programs in exotic animal care, including birds, and they will have trained veterinarians there who teach um, avian medicine to their veterinary students. Some colleges even have uh, programs where veterinarians are on staff. So that's another resource you can use. And certainly if you have friends um, or you're a member of a bird club in your area, you should definitely speak to your friends friends and the other members of the club about who they take their birds to. So there are a lot of resources out there and there are quite a few veterinarians in the world who have a strong interest in birds and have at least some level of advanced training. Um, not to say again that you can't see a dog or cat veterinarian who also sees birds because there are some excellent dog and cat veterinarians who see birds. Um, but just having that advanced training gives a veterinarian a little edge over someone who really hasn't had that training or hasn't had additional uh, coursework or uh, attended conferences to be up on the latest and greatest in bird care. Um, in terms of how often you should be taking your bird to a veterinarian, I definitely think, you know, certainly after you get the bird for the first time to make sure that bird is healthy before you bring it into your home. If you do have other birds at your house, you definitely want to have that checkup. Um, and even after you have the checkup, uh, most avian veterinarians will tell you that you should keep your birds separated from your other birds for at least a month. And that means in a separate room, in a separate airspace, because there are some diseases that are transmittable through the air um, that just literally being in the same room with other birds can expose your you know your existing birds to anything that the new bird is carrying so you do want to have a good checkup by an avian veterinarian when you first get that bird follow their the veterinarian's advice do whatever necessary tests they recommend and those are typically some blood tests some stool tests um, depending upon where your bird came from if it was exposed to many many other birds the uh, and potentially could be carrying disease there may be you know a, a broader recommendation of tests that that veterinarian may make to you um, and so after that if your bird is healthy typically we say annually you should be bringing your bird in uh, for a complete checkup as you would as you know yourself or your uh, your dog or your cat um, because birds many many of them live many many years um, even some of the smaller birds cockatiels can live into their 20s I've seen them live as long as 30 some of the larger parrots we know can live 40 50 60 years those birds are really what we consider geriatric and just like people who are older they typically develop some of the problems that we see um, with aging, things like arthritis, um, kidney problems, um, atherosclerosis, which is where cholesterol deposits in major arteries like the carotid arteries um, and in uh, you know some of the major blood vessels that lead to the brain um, and the aorta, for example. And those are very hard to diagnose, those conditions sometimes in older birds. They're not something that you will see obviously changes on your bird at home. You might see that they slow down a little bit, but these are sort of subtle things that can happen that ultimately can be fatal to a bird. So as your bird ages and you want to talk to your veterinarian about, you know, what age he or she recommends, I recommend bringing your bird in twice a year. 
um, you know, it's better to have the bird checked and be healthy than not to know that there's something going on until it's just too late. So uh, at least an annual exam, if not more frequently when the bird is geriatric, certainly blood work every year as they get older because there are things that we will pick up on blood tests. For example, kidney disease, we can pick that up by looking at the blood work much earlier than we can just by looking at the bird. And if we pick it up on blood work, we can start the bird on medications that will slow down the progression of kidney disease. But we don't know that until we take a blood test. So, you know, having good preventative medical care, very important. That being said, there are some things you want to look for at home um, in between these checkups that will alert you to the fact that you should definitely be bringing your bird to the veterinarian um, as soon as possible. Things like if your bird is not eating well, if it's fluffed up, you know, birds will trap air between their feathers and their skin when they're not feeling well. It's almost like, you know, they have a fever or they're they're trying to warm their bodies up that way. Um, Lack of activity, closed eyes. Um, rapid breathing, uh, seizure-like episodes, all of these things are are significant and you want to look for those things and and certainly bring your bird to the vet as soon as possible. So those are the types of things that you should be thinking about if you have a bird. If you haven't had your bird checked uh, recently, I would definitely recommend it. I'd like to spend some more time and I will in a future podcast talking about other signs of illness in birds and what you can look for and, you know, when to be sure that it's definitely time to go. But um, I really want to thank you for tuning in this week. And just to let you know that um, when you're listening to Zoo Nation throughout these episodes, you should follow our Zupreme Facebook page where we're going to have posts before every show where you can actually ask me questions to answer on the show. I mean, maybe you have a particular question about your bird that you'd like answered and, and maybe it's about veterinary care or something else. Um, you will also see a sneak peek uh, to episodes that are coming up on our Facebook page on the Zupreme page or to ones that you've missed there as well. So again, thank you for tuning in and I hope to see you again again here on Zoo Nation. Thank you for listening today. Dr. Lori Hess is a leading exotic animal veterinarian with a busy veterinary practice in Bedford Hills, New York. If you need more information on any Zupreme product or have questions for Dr. Lori, go to our website at www.zupreme.com where you can contact us.